Hey there, it's Cold Cabana. Thank you so much for checking out the past shows from the archives. All the past ones in this feed are ad-free. I took out all the ads. If this is something you like, you can listen to every single episode of the Art of Wrestling podcast dating back to 2010, absolutely ad-free for only $4 a month on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash coldcabana. All right, enjoy the show. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler Cold Cabana. All right, how you guys doing? Come on in, sit down, relax, put in those tweaked audio earbuds. You're about to listen to the Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. It's a life podcast. It's a personal journal. It's an entryway into the minds, souls, hearts, and lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Cole Cabana. I'm a performer. I'm a personality. I'm a podcaster. Most importantly, though, I am a professional wrestler, and we are sitting here live in the studio apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Actually, I'm not in the studio apartment right now. I'll get into that in a second. But before we do go any further, this is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you. We give it to you free of charge every single Thursday. And we love Colt.com, Stitcher Radio, and on iTunes. Send me your money. (laughs) Send me your money. That's a subliminal message there. A couple great ways that you could support. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Get the algorithm flowing. Uh, Let somebody know via text, via Twitter, via Facebook, however you got to do it. Send me your money. Or if you do have a couple of dollars, monetarily, you can give back. Send me all of your money. Coldmerch.com, digitalcold.com. This is the part where I say, send me your money. But that's not me. That's somebody else. But, I mean, if you can, you can. T-shirts, buttons, pictures, posters, DVDs, digital downloads. I do have, uh, it's Halloween season coming up. So I have brand new, high-quality, matte classic masks just delivered to the studio apartment, ready to give to you. That's available. Brand new matte classic T-shirts are up. It's all available. Great way you can support coldmerch.com and digitalcold.com. Trick or treat. Give me your money. If you, okay, if you want, you can trick or treat. Uh, you can give those away to the kids if you want to. Um, okay, so the guest this week, what I'm about to do might be a little hypocritical. I'm not sure. The guest is Lanny Pafo, and he's great. And the whole point I want to make out of listening to the conversation I have with him is it's not always about his brother. Like, I think there's something in him. He's like, I want to make sure you guys all know how great my brother was, Randy Savage and and his legacy. But I'm such a firm believer in how great Lenny Poffo was as a wrestler. And I want to make sure everybody gets that point. But the reason I'm not at the studio apartment right now is because I'm at my buddy's house. And I want to talk a little bit about Randy Savage for this podcast with Lenny Poffo. You know, there's a great story out there about Randy Savage fucking up a guy at a Waffle House. Really? Yeah. And I just, I, just, I, I bring that up because I, I ate at Waffle House two nights in a row this weekend and I really wanted to fuck a dude up both <laughs> times. I, I'd imagine, like, we've talked about this before. Like, I always want to, like, ask about, like, that's the great thing about podcasts is, like, just, like, tell me about everybody back then. And I guess in the position you're in, and I don't know who there would be. Like, who do you, when you want to talk about Randy Savage, because obviously, you know, you're down with, with RS himself. I'm down with RS. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Who do you uh, like? Who who are your go-to guys to be like? Hey, give me some savage stories. I, I don't I don't know. Like lately, I've been bothering Rob Van Dam about chic stories. Just okay. Because just because I can't. You know what I mean? Like I don't think anybody. 
thinks in the way we do. I, I Rob Van Dam had firsthand dealings with the Sheik. He loved the Sheik. He like super respectful when talking about him. And like I think he gets kicked out of the fact that I'm like, hey man, just tell me. I don't yeah. just tell me some Sheik stories. You know well, what I mean? I mean, so uh, uh, Rob was going to be on the the podcast, and maybe he will be in the future. We we were supposed to meet up, and like like the only thing I wanted to talk about like was the Sheik. That's funny that you say that. Like that's what I wanted to talk about was like all Sheik, yeah. all in his backyard in Battle Creek. Like I wanted to know everything about it, but this is the Lanny Poffo podcast, and and uh, somebody asked me the other day, they were like, "Were you there when Punk met Randy Savage?" And I was like, "Yeah, I was. You were." And it was the only time, right? The only time you ever met him. Yeah. The only time I ever met him, it was at the Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup in Florida. Yeah, and it was so sweltering hot in that building. I I don't know if you went out with me. I just walked outside. Yeah. It was like a hundred degrees outside. It was one hundred and thirty in the building, and I walked out to get some relief. And Randy Savage. Savage is sitting, he's standing there bullshitting with people in the parking lot. Yeah, and it's a double take. And all like one thing I took away from that, like I swear he was like five two, <laughs> but he wasn't though. I well, mean, he wasn't. He wasn't in bone saw shape. That's for sure. Like he, he definitely was. Uh, you know, he 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 looked more like a major league pitcher than than he did. You know, the Randy Savage that came to the ring with you know. Miss Madness and you know Frankenstein, and, but it was uh, that was like, like the only time that that both of us I ever get, or were encountered Randy Savage, and of course you tribute him a lot on television. Yes, uh, with my rotten elbow drop. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I've started to purposely do it even worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's people out there that really get like their panties in a bunch about it, and you know me, I'm just all about pissing people off. And that's something Lanny and I talk about a little bit. Is about me dr- doing a crappy elbow drop? Yeah, that and oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and like Randy Savage's like rebellious. Uh, Spirit, I guess, or you know, especially. Yeah, I mean, he's, he was a wild dude. He was a wild man. Yeah, uh, I think that I think that's why people loved him. He was just one of a kind, just nuts. And I think that's got you've got to be drawn towards that. Absolutely. And is that Randy Savage? You know, in like a roundabout way, it was just he was extremely punk rock. You know, if I can use that as a, an adjective to describe him, that's a great quote. In a very homogenized world, you know, like Hogan and all that, like these ultra, the, he was just he was just out of his mind. That's I think where the comparisons could be made, and I think it's great. That that you uh, that you show the love that you do. I know the day after he passed, you wore those trunks, and you were like, some people had no clue why you were wearing those trunks. Yeah, and they they didn't they they were asking me, and like they didn't because they they saw him being made. You know what I mean? Like I had him made like that day, and uh, our seamstresses aren't the uh, the most uh, caught up. No, no, they're they're not they're not fast unless you know you know I mean you show them you show them some cash you know what I mean but like you know so to, to commission something like in one day, um, you know I, I could also understand how that's a pain in the ass but like I was like nope I need these I need them today blah 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 and like everybody saw them being made and everyone just kept asking me are you you're not gonna wear those are you and I was like I dare somebody to try to tell me that I can't wear these you know what I mean because that that'll just be the icing on the cake you know I'm wearing them. <laughs> You know what I mean? And they were awesome. And then the figures were made. Yeah. And I know you're not like, I don't know, you have so much stuff made of you, of toys, figures, and whatever. Yeah. But that's fucking cool, yeah. Oh, it's super cool. Yeah. They gave me, uh, I don't think they were, they were prototypes, but whenever they had them made, they gave me like the two loose figures. They're like, oh, yeah, these are going to be in a two-pack. And like, so I have I have those. I, I God knows where they're at, you know, because it's not like I put them on display like some creepy people. Like they have these weird shrines to themselves and stuff like that. I I, I, I can't bother to do that. They're in a, they're in a box somewhere. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, well, we uh, we fully support Randy Savage here in Chicago. Of yes, course, absolutely. Randy, a Chicago boy, so is Lanny Poffo. Mm-hmm. And to tribute Lanny Poffo, um, I had my mom say Lanny Poffo poem. <laughs> oh, boy. And now, Colt Cabana's 67-year-old Jewish mother recites a poem from the genius Lanny Poffo. In this world of rustling giants, one man puts them all to shame, and he's every bit as rugged as the Alps from where he came. The French-born Andre Rusinov's no stranger to our shore, but we call him Andre the Giant because he's every inch and more. And millions stand in line to see God's mightiest creation, who's been called the greatest athlete of any generation. But he's never had a title shot. And we know very well, Hulk Hogan has a broken heart, and Andre's mad as hell. What will be the Hulk's reply? We'll have to wait and see. Till then, we're counting down the days till WrestleMania 3. The song this week is the Macho Man rapping from his uh, debut album, Be a Man. Great album, obviously. It's called A Perfect Friend, a tribute to Kurt Henning. The Macho Man raps. We'll be back with his brother, the genius, Lanny Poffa. Hey, Kurt, we miss you, but we know you're in a better place. It's kind of hard as time goes on and I don't see your face. So I'm clinching and I'm holding on to memories. Remember the times rolling strong, just you and me. It's real hard sometimes to keep it going day to day. But I know you wouldn't want it any other way. So I keep it moving, doing what I gotta do. And as a tribute, I'm dedicating a song to you. Mr. Perfect's the name that'll never be forgotten. As long as my tools are around, I'ma keep your spot in wrestling history. Cause you were all about perfection. It's not a mystery that wrestling was the right selection. Cause you were one of the best, very high on my list. Not just in the ring, but out of the ring, you're dearly missed. But your name lives on, we carry on your legacy. Cause the passion that you left with us lives on in me. Your friend was saying that, like, hey, like, it's a good podcast, you know. One of the best friends of my life was Jody Barberi. Was Jody Barberi? Was. She is now Jody Barberi Harris. Okay. (laughs) She married a man named Pat Harris. And one of the few happy couples I've ever met. And I met her the day I was on Regis Philbin's show. Okay, with uh, Mr. Perfect, mm-hmm. Kurt Henning, one of the greatest moments of my life. But almost everybody was rude to me that day. But Jordy Barberi was the sweetest girl. And uh, I'm going to, uh, I've got some friends, we're going to Las Vegas for about a week. And she's going to show us the time of our lives. Why and do you think they were rude to you? Oh, it's just early in the morning. And, you know, television? Uh, Big time television? This is New York, and you know what they say? What was that joke about New York? Uh, how many New Yorkers does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know how many. 
None of your freaking business. Yeah. <laughs> My dad used to come home from New York and yeah. on business. And we're from the same area-ish. I think. Oh. I'm from Deerfield, from Downers Grove. Right. And my dad would go on business. And he'd, he'd always, like when I was a kid, he'd always come back and be like, I hate New York so much. And he'd tell me his disdain for New York and the dirtiness of it. Like, And I realize I'm saying to this with New Yorkers listening. but <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like, what are the odds of winning the lottery? The same odds as going to New York City and running into a... Polite cab driver and a heterosexual waiter on the same day. <laughs> right, right. And so, so, so this lady is your friend, and yes. she said, uh, Jody. Yeah, she's now living in Las Vegas, and she's going to show us the time of our lives. We're going to go to the Cirque du Soleil. We're going to see Jersey Boys. She's got a lot of plans for us. Cool, very cool. And I'm going to go to the um, Grand Canyon and walk on the Walk of Death. Ooh. Ooh. Ready for it. Yes. Well, what I'm going to say is that you, you, what you don't know is that you're very instrumental in this podcast. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little story, and uh, I, I hope you like it. But And I've talked to you a little bit about this, but I realize people talk to you all the time, Lanny, is I, uh, very early on when this podcast was starting, I, uh, I, I, I told a story. Before this goes on, I usually tell a story. I preempt it with a story. And I told a story about how... Um, uh, actually, uh, Lars Fredrickson, who, who's the lead singer for Rancid, sent this interview to my friend CM Punk, who sent it to me, and I read it, and it was a torch talk with you, and you, it was an interview with you, and you went on to describe the happy and the sad bus. And I went on, and, and I went on to tell the story of the happy and the sad bus, which you later said was from Red Bastine, am I correct? Yes. Yeah, and, and, it really, when I read that interview about you, at this time, for me, I was in the WWE, in their developmental system, and I wasn't doing that good. And uh, it really hit with me. And I, I've done, you know, maybe 165 of these things, and people still to this day talk about the happy and the sad bus, about when I talk about it. And I always give you credit for it. And obviously, you give Red Bastion credit for me, credit for it. But um, that seems to be your attitude on life. And it, it hit home with me. And I, and I, you know, thanks for coming on, and I hope you know you could talk a little bit about the happy and the sad bus. Well, first of all, Red Bastine passed away, and um, I was so lucky in my career to be blessed with a friend like this, because he befriended me, and we rode together, and we had some laughs. You know, I've I've been lucky, Lord Alfred Hayes, um, Lord Anthal Layton. You probably don't even know who that is. But I was just lucky. Thunderbolt Patterson befriended me when I was 19 years old. And I was, I keep thinking how lucky I am. You know, every single morning when I wake up, I choose to be happy. I choose to be healthy. I choose to be happy. I choose to be healthy. That is my mantra. And then I go out before the sun comes, goes up and I play basketball without a partner, nobody to use prison rules. <laughs> I just play basketball for about an hour and you know, and I go on autopilot, and I work as hard as I want, and it's good cardiovascular, right. but it's a happy game. Basketball, Basketball is a happy game when you're not competing. There are no winners and losers. Everybody's a winner as long as you're outdoors, breathing in the good sunshine, watching the sun come up, and the, you know, and playing the game, mm. and getting that oxygen, <laughs> you know, uh, blowing out the carbon dioxide and sucking in the oxygen. It's a beautiful feeling. And I'm lucky to have a friend like Red Bastine. Can you imagine his wisdom, you know, in the car with me? You know, because let's face it, the only two real things about this business are the money and the miles. But when you have a good company in your car, it's fantastic. And that was his theory. It was the happy bus and the sad bus, correct? He told me all about it. <laughs> the, Lanny, 
there's a happy bus and a sad bus. And the reason I like you is because whenever you're around, you're always on the happy bus. Right. And I want to be, I like the exuberance of youth. That's what he, where he talked. You've got the exuberance of youth, and you laugh at all my jokes, and I laugh at all of yours, and we can be silly, and we can be fun, and you're, and he said I was pretty smart, too, because we talked about current events and things like that, and I, trust me, you can do 300 miles with Red Bestine or without him. I'd rather do it with him. It's funny you say that. Um, how, like, it just hit, hit me here. People that laugh at your jokes, like, it's the best, isn't it? Yes, it's a good ego trip. Yeah, there's this guy named Kurt. Kurt, uh, his wrestling name is Dysfunction, and he just—he's like one of my favorite people because anything I say to him is hilarious, and it makes me feel good about myself. Right? It is an ego trip, isn't it? And it's an endorphin rush. Yeah, endorphin is a is a drug better than it's in it's in heroin, but your body the body makes its own. And when you're laughing and you're making other people laugh or you're smiling, you know, a beautiful woman makes a good first impression, but a beautiful woman on the inside makes a lasting impression. Mm. So, you know, not everybody's going to make a good first impression, but it's the lasting impression that counts. Mm, okay. And yeah. it's hard for a beautiful woman to make a lasting impression because she's used to having her butt kissed the, her whole life. Right. So she doesn't need to be nice. You see? So there's a, there's a kind of a handicap because... What nature gives you, it also takes away. And there were girls that I grew up with that in 1973 I couldn't. Well, now I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but you were like a charming young... You Listen, you wore a, a, a suit of armor. You were a charming young man. You had you know, the, the body of a gymnast and a wrestler. Uh, I was... Uh, I did okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll tell you what. I know about premarital sex... I know about extramarital sex, and I know about postmarital sex. What's, I don't know a thing about marital sex. What's extramarital sex? That's um, while you are married, you're oh, having sex. Oh, so with somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Both are married, but not to each other. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, but um, I'm a born-again bachelor, and um, my daughter is going to be 30 years old. And uh, she's an excellent, useful, and prodigious citizen. Uh, but uh, I'm very happy to have the freedom of a bachelor again. Right. You know, and do anything I please and not have to please anybody. Uh, that's it, man. Like, I, so I'm a bachelor. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to kind of talk to you a little, like, maybe like uncle talk here. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I, not that I worry, but you've, you've went through marriage, obviously, and, and bringing up a child, right? Is that mm -hmm. correctly? So, I mean, I worry about not getting married at all and, like, just the, doing this till I'm, would you say, 59? I'm almost 50. I'll be 59 December 28th. Yeah, yeah. So everything's, can, can you confirm am, everything's good here? I am now two and a half months older than the macho man lived. Okay. And I've been the younger brother. You know, I, I'm the kind of a guy that's persnickety enough to think about things like that. Mm. But I, I'm wearing his shirt right now. I think about him every day. What a fantastic, and if anybody remembers my name, it'll be because of his. And I promise you, I wouldn't even be important enough to be on your podcast if my brother wrong. wasn't the macho man Randy wrong. Savage. I didn't even no, bring you're it up. wrong. You're wrong. I didn't even bring it up. No, like, I'm I know bring, you have pride I'm for bringing your it up, and you're wrong. I know you have your pride for your brother, but I, I, there's so much I love about Lanny Papo. Listen. And the genius. But the first thing about wrestling is somebody has to open the door for you, and he did for me. He did for you. You wouldn't have even known about me if he hadn't opened the door for me. And he, he wouldn't have opened. You know who opened the door for him? I'm, I'm going to, do you want me to guess or are you going to tell me? I want you to guess. I'd say your father? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, yeah, 
course, my father right. opened the door. <laughs> yeah. But who got us in the WWF slash WWE? Jimmy Hart. You're damn right. Yeah. And never forget it. Everyone loves Jimmy Hart. I love Jimmy Hart. I don't. And another guy that helped, George Scott. He was the booker at the time. Mm-hmm. These are tremendous men, and I refuse not to be grateful for the rest of my life. And it's important that you say, and we document it, and let the, let that you haven't said. I it. feel bad for Jimmy Hart because all he did all these wonderful things, and all he got for it was tired. See what I mean? Somebody's got to give him some credit for that, right? And uh, you know, every time I see him, I know who did this. Uh, all the good things in my life are because of Jimmy Hart. You know, the thing is, if you see a turtle on a on a fence post, the first question you have to ask yourself is, how did the turtle get to a fence post? Yeah. Somebody had to put him there. Somebody opened the door for that turtle. Somebody grabbed the turtle. You know, turtles don't climb. Right. You know, I didn't. You told me not. But I, was, I didn't understand how that turtle got on that fence post, I'll tell you that much. How does a turtle get on the <laughs> Right. Listen, I wouldn't have even been on the air. Of course, I do give myself a little credit, and I'll tell you why. Um, when George Scott quit, got fired, or whatever happened to his booking job, I was riding around with David Sammartino. We have a lot in common. Both were married, both with daughters. But... His father was the one and only, and my brother was the one and only. And he thought when George Scott left that all of a sudden the new booker would then give him a great push. I said, in my experience, whenever they change bookers, they always get rid of the old and bring in the new. And I knew that uh, this probably wasn't going to work out well for me. But In WWF? Yeah, because I had six months of a pretty good run. Mm -hmm. But when George Scott, who loved me, lost his booking job, uh, and to Pat Patterson, who didn't love me, um, what happened was um, we both had to do jobs on TV. Well, he told Vince McMahon to go have sex with himself. I was, I was right by the door, very thin. To clean that in, up Poughkeepsie. a little bit, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the F word, you know. <laughs> Unless you use it, I won't. Um, and Vince McMahon started crying and got on his knees and said, oh, please, David, don't leave me. I'm, I'm joking, by the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. Vince McMahon is 10 feet tall. He's got three balls a pair. What does he care? Right. He's got three balls and a pair and a spare. Yeah. And he wasn't going to, you know, bow down to anybody. But you know that, right? So, so what I did was, well, the only thing that counts is what the bank teller counts. And if I have to do a job on TV, I'll do a job on TV, but I'll do the best job I can. And I did jobs and did jobs and did jobs for four more years while I was well paid and then all of a sudden I'm the genius full of glory and renown I'm working against Hulk Hogan and on top for four months yeah. and it was, asked me if it was worth it was it worth it? of course it was you're damn right yeah. it was we're, we're going to get into this I want to get into this but I do want to talk I don't want to skip over that point where yeah you said I did jobs and I was on TV but but you there was those guys who made themselves different who made the there was guys who did jobs and there was guys who stood out Iron Mike Sharp is a guy who stood out to me who I'll always remember Iron Mike Sharp and you know you have you have uh, the poem you had you were doing different style of wrestling um, and you, uh, the frisbees I mean that's stuff to make yourself different so, I mean, you were doing, you know, you did your part in making yourself stand out. And I wouldn't even call you a jobber. I would call you, you were one of the talents, in my mind, as a, as a casual observer, as a wrestler, as a wrestling fan who grew up at that time. Do you agree or disagree? Well, let's put it this way. I, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, when I was a boy dreaming of fame and fortune, yeah. I did not dream of being in a dark match. I did not dream of being on the curtain, curtain jerker. And I didn't want to uh, be enhancement talent. But what I decided to do is try my best 
If I have to do a job for somebody, by the way, I didn't mind doing a job for fantastic talents like Terry Funk or Jake the Snake Roberts or anybody that was really fantastic. Um, Harley Race, I could go on and on. And there was a list at that time, wasn't there? Yeah, and there was a few people that I resented doing a job for. Right. You know, and uh, if you twist my arm, I'll tell you who it was, but I'll tell you what. Um, Terry Funk made me look better than if I'd beaten him. And then when it was time for him to put a submission hold on me, I made sure that the um, commercial uh, was... I didn't, I didn't get up until the commercial started. In other words, I did the job. Right. First of all, I ran into the ring like I was going to win, like I knew I was going to win. I ran in like a winner. And no matter how bad the odds were, I tried to look like a winner, like I didn't know I was going to lose. And I see people... They got their head down. I said, please, who know? You know, we already know yeah. the finish by their faces. That's interesting. That's an yeah. interesting look at it, yeah. Confidence, I guess it does. And even though you knew, you know, you're maybe going under the act of confidence. That- and, uh, like, I was wrestling Hercules Hernandez, and they were building him up to wrestle Hulk Hogan. And On Saturday Night's main event, no? Well, no, no, this was on uh, Wrestling Challenge or no, Wrestling Super. Hercules wrestled Hogan on Saturday Night's main event. I think event. so, yeah. yeah. So here I am going to wrestle Hercules Hernandez. Now, who doesn't know that he isn't going to, you know, box my ears, okay? So I said, Hercules Hernandez is a mountain of a man. His body is impervious to pain. But all his big decisions, he is leaving up to Heenan. That indicates he doesn't have a brain, and the people pop. But then I said, I know you doubt my sanity for facing such a man. I realize that he is awfully big. But I came here to fight the odds and score a victory. That ought to make Ventura flip his wig. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing a wig that day. <laughs> people went crazy, and he sold it. Yeah. Like, oh, what's this, McMahon? You know? Yeah. So I thought things like that um, made it. I still had a job to do, and it was to entertain. And I competed in the match and tried to make it look competitive and exciting and you know, and then I finally got my break as the genius. And uh, even if it hadn't come, I'm still grateful. But I drank from the silver chalice of success for four months. And even though Hulk Hogan hasn't done anything for me lately or since then, I will never be done being appreciative to Hulk Hogan for what he did for the genius. Right. He took a jabroni and made him a star. <laughs> I was his nemesis. And I loved it. Yeah. Can I share a story with you? Yes. I, I, so I, I did wrestle in WWE, and, I, and it wasn't very good. I was, I was contracted, but I was a lower talent, if not an enhancement talent. And um, my first match, I lost in, in under two minutes. But they gave me a box, right? Uh, I got to come up in a box, and I, and I came up with a little funny bit. And in my mind, it was like, okay... I'm not going to get any offense in this match, but I'm going to get over by doing that funny bit in the beginning. That's how that will be my offense. And when you were just saying this thing about Hercules and you were going to lose to Hercules, um, but in my mind, I'm like, holy, he's. Although you know, you say you're this lower talent, but you've almost won already because you have a bit now where each match you come out and you get a high spot before the the match even starts. Is that how you looked at it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like. By saying this poem and being able to be witty and use your own poetry, that's like an offensive maneuver right out of the bat, is it not? It is, yes. And I also felt that I was a small piece in a big puzzle, and I was lucky to be a part of it. And as a jabroni or whatever you want to call it, I was well paid. Right. And I was, and I had, my, 
I was there not for a reason, but for a purpose, and that was to raise my daughter the best way I could and to be the best husband I could. And even though, let's face it, I, it, didn't, it did end in divorce. It only lasted 12 years. But at least we're both very, very grateful that we have a good, clean, non-smoking, no-drugs daughter that's a useful and prodigious citizen. Sure. That's something that we're proud of, something that we can agree on. Yeah. And even though our marriage ended in divorce, that, that beats the hell out of Chris Benoit. Right. You know, that was not uh, an amicable end to any marriage. No, no, no. But I, 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 I want to take it back to the character, though. Like, you had a character. It was a defined character. The Leaping Lanny one? Yes, with mm -hmm. the poems. Mm -hmm. with, I mean, that, you know, like, Pat Patterson put you underneath, but you still shined as a star. I tried. Right? I, I, I mean, I, okay, so I was, how does the poetry come about? How does the frisbee come about? How does, okay. And how do they allow it on TV and let it stay? Okay, I was on TNT, Tuesday Night Titans, yeah. and I was definitely afraid that a baby face is sometimes boring, yeah. okay? And I'm capable of being quite boring. And I was very worried about being boring and never being invited back. So I wore my suit of armor, which is theatrical armor, the kind that you would, if you could see the Broadway musical Camelot, that's what Sir Lancelot would wear. Mm -hmm. It cost me $1,600. And you wore and, that bunkhouse battle royale, Yeah, right? and they destroyed it in the bunkhouse battle royale, <laughs> and I had, finally had to scrap the whole thing. Really? You know, Who destroyed uh, it? Everybody. Just the <laughs> Well, first I was... Uh, First, I wore the helmet in the ring, and everybody was boxing my ears, and it felt like, well, put a bucket on your head, and, and, and somebody hits it. So finally, I got smart, took the helmet off, and started receding everybody that boxed my ears. Bam, that was for the thing. Bam, <laughs> bam. So finally, that's when the genius got smart. So um, I, was on, I walked out with the, with the armor, and I said, look back through the annals of history and the Wrestling Hall of Fame, men from all nations with courage to spare who struggled to carve out a name. Now compare, now compare these high standards of valor to those chivalrous knights of yore with bravery staunch as their armor, their glory both legend and lore. My medieval connection with wrestling relives that magnificent past. Though mindless skeptics may snicker and scoff, the winner is he who laughs last. Alive with the love of wrestling, I appear on TNT between Vince and awful Alfred, the hottest show on TV. I'm not your average wrestler, but I wouldn't want to be. I never scream or kiss my arms. I'm happy just being me. I call myself Leaping Lanny. I validate what I say to every single wrestling fan who's watching USA. Yes, I believe in miracles as God has blessed this great land. I believe the referee will soon be raising my hand. And after it was over, we go to Black, which is the commercial show business term, and Vince McMahon says, Lanny, that was fantastic. From now on, you do a poem before every match. And I acted cool about it. Right. But inside, I went, yes! Yeah, yeah. I have a gimmick. Yes. And a wrestler without a gimmick sucks. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. Why do you remember that to this day? Do you remember it because you are like an intellectual and you remember everything? That was important? I mean, how come you could rattle that right off? <laughs> well, because I have 5,000 poems collect, uh, committed to memory, at least. It's my blessing and my curse. It's like Monk. You ever see this? Yes, it's a yes, blessing yes, and yes, a curse. Yes. Um, but anyway, I thought it was just a lucky break that I got to use that ability in the ring. And about the Frisbees, mm -hmm. I stole it from a wrestler named Al Costello. And I, in the Yes, there you yeah, go. Yeah. You know, very few people know, uh, you know, wrestling of the late 50s, early 60s. Mm -hmm. But it was Al Costello, Roy Hefferman, Wild Red Berry. That was the original Fabulous Kangaroos from Australia. Mm -hmm. They came into the ring with 
actual Aborigine carved boomerangs. Okay. But then they had these cardboard ones that they threw to the audience. And two of the kids that ran scampering for those cardboard boomerangs that had the pictures of the kangaroos and little information printed on it, mm. Macho Man and Lanny, fighting over those boomerangs oh, as children. Right, right. And so that stuck with you. Well, yeah. And I thought to myself, now what can I throw to the audience? I tried scrolls, but it didn't get over because I couldn't even throw it past the guardrail. Right. So I said, I need something that's going to soar. And I said, a frisbee. And I've heard interviews with you before. You paid for those out of your own pocket. Am I correct? Yes, I paid for it out of my own pocket. And then the, I can't remember the guy's name, started with, the last name started with a B. Uh, and he was with WWF um, merchandise. And he says, would you mind if we marketed these and sold them? And I said, would I mind? I'm dying to become marketable. <laughs> right. You know, and then what I would do, win, lose, or draw, I would go to the venue and sign the Frisbees or anything else they had. They sold them at $3 a piece. They sold a couple hundred thousand of them because anytime I was there, you know, um, it makes a difference. I remember Sam... Walton, the richest man in the world mm -hmm. in the 80s. Walmart? The man, Walmart. And he, so they asked him, what's the secret of his success? And he said, sell for less and be nice to people. Well, it was $3 Frisbee. I couldn't change the price because it wasn't my price. But being nice to people, yes, I can do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, uh, the genius, and I, so let's talk about the genius. The, the genius versus Hulk Hogan, Saturday Night's main event, still to this day, one of my favorite matches. I'm not saying that because you're across from me. I've done this with a lot of people. It's, um, I don't know. Like, there's a, there's a true art to the way you did the character and, and the, the ballet and the shtick. And even though, you know, obviously as a kid, Hulk Hogan's going to win this match or whatever it is, um, you, you came out like a real star. And, like, uh, I don't know. I, I, love, I love that match. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure to tell you that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was... I was doing The Genius, and I started wrestling with Jimmy Powers and then Paul Roma. And then, and then Hulk Hogan grabs me by the wrist and brings me into the shower. And he says, Lanny, you're wrestling like a fag out there. <laughs> and I said, do you want me to stop? He says, no. This is when you're just leaving Lanny Poffo? No, I was just becoming The Genius. Okay. I had just wrestled, I had wrestled uh, Jimmy Powers all over, and I wrestled Paul Roma all over the young stallions right but they were starting they had lost their push and they were starting you know they could they give you a push and then they turn your water off it right. happens to everybody right. except some people faster than others right so he says i'm wrestling like a fag out there and i said do you want me to stop he says no i love it i want you to do it more because i want to mock you would you mind if i mocked you i said hulk you can mock me all you like right. i'll wrestle like a fag and you'll mock me <laughs> that's fine with me so all of a sudden, I'm on Saturday night's main event, and we had never, this is a cherry match, which is what we call first match. You know, it's not as if you had. I've never heard that, a cherry match. A cherry match is like a first time sex. Right, right. Okay, this is first time match. Wow. So we had never wrestled before. So he organized the whole match, and, he's, and he says, now Lanny, what do you have to add? I said, nothing. He says, that's not the answer I wanted to hear. That's being nice. I don't want you to be nice. I want you to be real. I gave you the whole match. I appreciate, I respect your insight. If, if I don't like it, I won't do it. You tell me, what can you add to this match? I said, I like the match as it is. He says, Lanny, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, I got one idea. 
When Mr. Perfect spits on the belt, instead of doing that, since he chews gum, have him take the gum and stick it on the belt. It's more visual. I love it. I love it. That's great. I said, okay, when I club you from behind on the floor, since I'm small and I'm probably, you know, it's, it's not easy to throw a drop kick on the floor because there's no spring. Right. I will drop kick you in the back and send you into the post instead of clubbing you. And he says, very good. Yeah, you know, you're small, so you take advantage. You know, since you can, you will. Mm -hmm. He says, I love it. I said, I have one more thing. When you throw me over the top rope, body slam me over the top rope. Yeah, he hugged you over there, didn't he? He says, brother, I can't do it. I don't want to hurt you. I said, Hulk, I'm a gymnast. You can't hurt me unless I miss the ropes completely. I will let go at 12 o'clock. Not at 1 o'clock where I'll hurt my knees and not at 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock where I'll break my back on the ring. Mm -hmm. It's got to be 12 o'clock like a 45-degree angle. I know how to dismount from the high bar. Mm. I am a well-coordinated individual. You cannot hurt me unless, <laughs> unless I miss the ropes. Then yeah. God help me. You were like a cat in the ring, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, not now. I mean, my God, I'm uh, at my age. But I, you know, they asked me if I wanted to wrestle. I said, no, really. I... Sometimes I steal a payday, and I can still do a moonsault, still do a few things, but I feel like I really deserve to give the fans their money back as a refund after they saw me. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like nice. getting a little... You're too nice. Well, I... Um, and you come from a, 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 a territory where I feel everyone was carny in the Memphis world. Like, you hear these Memphis stories, you know? It's like, it's very nice to hear that, like, it, you weren't affected like the... I don't even know. And this guy might be your friend, but like, a, you know, you hear the stories of Bill Dundee or, or whatever, you know, like a, of these. Kind. It was Bill Dundee. He came in. Uh, Bill Watts made him the booker. And the first thing he did is fire me. OK, then you don't like Bill Dundee. Uh, actually, <laughs> then I made an interview and he says, Lanny, that's a hell of an interview. You know, I would wear a suit of armor if I were you. And I thought I thought to myself, what does he know? But then it preyed on my mind. You see what I mean? When you got a guy that says a midget like Bill Dundee, mm -hmm. and he made it in this business. He did make it right, to an extent, but he made it. Um, he didn't have a size advantage. He had a size disadvantage, so he must be smart. So if he gives me a suggestion, I have to consider it. Mm. So I bought a suit of armor. Mm. You know, I used to go down the road thinking, how can I get over in this business, yeah. a business that's seen everything? You know, and uh, you got to accentuate the positives and eliminate the negatives, and you got to figure out a way to entertain those people and make them glad they paid. And maybe I wore a suit of armor. So I did it, and I did it in the Memphis Territory, and I brought it to TNT, and I did it in the Bunkhouse Battle Royal. Um, I'll tell you what, it didn't get over like I thought, but it didn't suck. Right. At least I was trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's talk about, like, so you grew up in a wrestling family. So did your dad, like, take you on the road or, or um, because he was, he grew up in Downers Grove. Was there wrestling in Downers Grove? Yes, Dick the Bruiser was the promoter. Um, it, was, it was Jim Barnett that was the promoter, and then Bruiser uh, stole it from him and, Jimsy went to Australia and started promoting. Mm -hmm. um, Dick the Bruiser, Wilbur Schneider, they, and Vern Gagne, and my, my father would wrestle in the International Amphitheater. Let me give you, Randy asked me to do a poem for my father at his funeral. Okay. And I'm glad that my father preceded my brother in death because I'm going to tell you what, my mother is still alive, and it was horrible 
to watch her see her firstborn like that. Mm. And I don't even want to talk about it, but I, but anyway, Randy says, do a poem for dead, but don't make it long and boring because <laughs> you can be long and boring. So I said... In a brother way, though, right? Oh, like he, a loving he, brother listen, way. Listen, <laughs> that's how I knew he loved me. Right. Okay, that's how he showed it. Yeah. Um, Twas back in 1945 on Independence Day the Nazis had surrendered. Japan was on its way. My dad was in the Navy, as history will tell, as he was bleeding through the mats, a world record fell. He did 6,000 sit-ups with an extra 33 to glorify his savior who died on Calvary. And Robert Ripley's feature celebrated this event, giving credence to success is not an accident. That's always been his credo through times both good and bad. He's a real Hall of Famer and the world's greatest dad. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah, don't look for a punchline. This is his funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's wonderful. But he lived to be almost 85. Yeah. And uh, did, did you, So did you, were you and Randy uh, obsessed with wrestling as kids? We were obsessed with baseball. And uh, when Randy was two years older than me, he was signed by the St. Louis Cardinals in 1971. Uh, he didn't get a bonus. He wasn't drafted. He signed as a free agent. He got $500 a month. That's not even a lot of money in 1971. Right. And my father said, don't worry, I'll subsidize you. If you ever need money, let me know. Randy never needed money because he played cards with the bonus babies and stripped them naked every night. Really? Yes. What was his game? Uh, anything you wanted to play because he had a brain like a razor blade and he didn't cheat because he believed in karma. But he also knew that if he won any more than he was winning, they wouldn't play with him. He said he took advantage of the fact that they're all stupid. <laughs> and uh, his theory was, if you got them, you bet them. Okay. If you got them, you bet them. Right. That's, if you got a good card, if you got a good hand, you bet it. And so yeah. these were the guys on the team? These were the bonus babies. Some of them signed oh, the for $40,000. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. You know, he, he took advantage of them and took their money. Right. He never needed any money from my dad. Okay. You know, he, with $500 a month... That was a drop in the bucket to what he was making gambling. Right, right. So, you, so he's playing uh, minor league baseball, but at that point you're probably a senior in high school or something, right? Um, I was. He was. I graduated in '73, and I got into wrestling immediately. And um, but baseball was your first love. I but I I knew. Here's what I knew, and I never told Randy this ever. I I'm going to tell you, but I didn't tell him. I knew that Randy was better than me at baseball, and I knew Randy wasn't doing very well. So I knew that I knew he wasn't going to make it because I saw Jerry Mumphrey play. We went to Sarasota, mm -hmm. and I said, "My God, this guy's fantastic!" And I could tell the difference between Randy and Jerry Mumphrey. Mm -hmm. And I knew that Randy. I said, "That's a major leaguer," and he was. I think he had a 15-year career. Right. I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer, but my God, he had a hell of a career. Right. And uh, you know, and I think Randy. Every time he came back, he spent four years in the minors. He understood that. So you knew what? You knew that he would eventually join you in the wrestling game? I knew that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that he didn't have what it took to be a baseball player. You know, he was all state Illinois, but so was everybody else from their own state. Right, right. You know, right, and right. when everybody gets together, many are called and few are chosen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying, you know, baseball is a very heartless game. They take a number two pencil and strike your name from a list. Yeah. They don't love you. Right. Yeah. Did, did, was, was, so was wrestling always the vision for you? Was it always get out of high school, go into dad's business? I loved, I loved wrestling, yes. I, I loved, um, I also hated it. 
I loved it when Johnny Valentine was wrestling, Greg's father. Mm-hmm. He was the, if anybody doubted the authenticity of wrestling, I dare you to watch his match and feel that way. Mm-hmm. Because he made a point out of bringing the reality to wrestling. And, you know. Yeah. And, and would your dad be, would you get the greatest, best seats because your dad's whatever? You're just walking right in, taking whatever seats you want. Like, we got, uh, preferential treatment right i mean yeah, yeah and, and he, he had stroke yeah and you got to see all, i mean you got to watch all these guys because your your dad's hooking it up right right yeah yeah and we got to travel with people and then it was very enjoyable okay so you loved it when but obviously maybe you hate it you hear all these stories of a traveling wrestling family like i don't know if it breaks families apart but it's hard on a fan or my childhood, no my parents were married for 61 years ended only in death right now yes i am divorced and my brother married twice i'm i'm a like I said, I'm a born-again bachelor, proud of it. Not going to marry again because mm. I, I figure, uh, let's see, I'll be 59 in 11 years, I'll be 70. The words, there's two words that I'm never going to hear again or say again. Yes, dear. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, brother. <laughs> um, so so there, I, I don't, maybe you can educate myself and some of the listeners a little bit on, I guess, the feud between your father's promotion, I want to say it was ICW, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and um, I guess would it be Jerry Lawler's Memphis? Yes, Jerry Lawler, Jerry Jarrett. Okay. okay, first of all, I was wrestling in Portland, Oregon for Dino One. Mm. Well, I heard it was great, huh? Oh, excellent guy. Everyone loved Excellent guy. Right. And I met a guy, one of my dearest friends in the world, the greatest interview of them all, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Mm-hmm. And he took a liking to me, and he got me all set to go to Mike LaBelle's territory, Los Angeles, as a top heel. Can I ask how you went to Portland? Did your dad send you to Portland? My dad got me to Portland, okay. yes. Yeah, he had a lot of clout. He had wrestled in Portland in a very long time ago. And uh, let me see, 1955 right. he was in Portland. And now here he is, 1977, and I'm wrestling for... Down Owen, and um, having a good time. Loved it, loved it. Pacific Northwest, meeting all the... I saw Red Bastine there. Uh, I had met him in Charlotte, North Carolina, and before that in Texas, uh, Amarillo, Texas, working for the Funks. Uh, You see, going back to what we were saying, I do not blame wrestling for breaking up my marriage. Nine to five people also have divorces, Mm -hmm. and uh, four women a day are murdered by their husbands every single day in North America. And here we are on a Friday. Tomorrow, four people are going to be killed. The next day, uh, I believe in statistics. Okay? So what I'm saying is wrestling did not ruin my life. Wrestling made my life. Wrestling was my life. I enjoyed wrestling. I'm still um, profiting from the ancillary ramifications of wrestling. You know, I'm retired. I don't do anything anymore. It's just that every once in a while, I take a wrestling gig. Yeah, sure. And what's great about it is because I can do a poem and still pretty good on the microphone, and I can sell my stuff. I got two books out. Both are on Amazon.com's bestseller list, Limericks from the Heart and Lungs and Wrestling with Rhyme. Okay. And uh, and Because the, the Kindle edition just came out, right. and oh, it's cool. taken off worldwide. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, um, we'll, we'll plug you up at the end for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, um, uh, so, so Roddy Piper is going to take you to Los Angeles to be a top heel. Well, he's not taking me. He's, he's, sending, you he's sending me there. Put in a good word. Yeah, he put in a good word for yeah. me, and I, I love him for that, you know. And um, I, so I talked to Mike LaBelle on the phone for an hour. 
And he says, Lanny, I like your attitude. I think, and anything Roddy Piper sends me, I know is good. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give you every opportunity. And I said, even with the Guerreros, I speak a little Spanish, and uh, I can really get some heat, you know, as a top heel in this. So I was going to... Un poco espanol. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yo estudio dos años en la escuela de español, pero no es muy bueno gringo español. I think he studied two years, and si. it's kind of okay, but... see, si. Yeah, okay. Gringo Espanol. Like gringo. Right. Which yeah. is a white man's which means, which means I still don't pronounce everything correctly. Okay. <laughs> but it's even better as a heel. Right, right, right. You know, you can say, uh, when I became the genius, I said, I speak 11 languages. Escuchen, por favor. Mm. Santana comes from Mexico. Yo hablo más mejor. The French I speak is magnifique. They told me in Paris, my Italian's molto bene. I learned when I was three. I speak Latin, Greek, and Russian, Hebrew, and Portuguese. I speak Swedish and Norwegian, and I'm learning Japanese. Aside from my intelligence, I'm cunning as a rat, and I shall put the attributes to use upon the mat, and it goes on and on. <laughs> but uh, that was the part with the linguistics. Mm. And uh, what I said in Spanish was, Santana is a native Mexican. I speak better Spanish than him, which is absolutely false. <laughs> you know, and any thinking person would have to know that. Mm, but right. uh, see, the genius character, I, I loved Peter Sellers as the Pink Panther, and it was a one-joke movie. I knew that, you idiot. That was just testing you. So I wanted the genius to be a stupid genius, a guy that thought he was smart but was not. Right. I thought that would be the fun part. Mm -hmm. Then I added the femininity to it, which is an easy pop from the audience. Yep. You know, cheap heat. Sure. And uh, I'm not against that cheap heat. You know? <laughs> right. Now, you're talking about the... I hated to skirt your question about Memphis. Okay, then my dad says, hey, you got to come with us. And I said, oh, brother, boy, do I not want to do that. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't want to be an outlaw promoter. I don't want to do that. I just want to live my life as a whistling gypsy rover, vagabond, not worrying about business, not worrying about anything but the now. Right. And, um, but it's family, and I went. And but your what, dad was known as like, is, you, my, an outlaw promotion. Well, is that correct? They call them outlaw promotions, but it's not against the law. Right. I mean, you have t uh, several different pizza joints in the same block, right. and uh, the free market system is going to say the best pizza wins. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's cost is also involved, or best but, for your money. But the unwritten rule was, hey, this is Jerry Jarrett's town? Is that Yeah, right? that's an unwritten rule, okay. but I was there to, because my family needed me, so I came. Okay. Now, I was a little bit reluctant to do so because it isn't my personality to be opposition to anybody. All I, I mean, I wanted to go to Los Angeles and be top heel. Right. You know, and uh, swimming pools, yeah. movie stars, the Beverly Hillbillies. So anyway, I gave up that, did that. But when they went to Rupp Arena to challenge everybody and to get in shoots, I said, screw that. I'm not doing that. And I'm never doing that. I think it sucks. And, uh, and so I just want to clarify that. They would go to the opposition. Yeah, they went, they went there to raise hell, bought a ticket to get in. Uh, raised a lot of hell and uh, threatened a lot of people. I wasn't into that. But they loved. What was their thinking? Were they? What were they? It was Randy's was thinking. Randy, like, let's go fuck shit up or what? Randy was that type of guy. Yeah. Yes. And um, he did that all his career, the whole the whole career. He he was a hundred percent confident in himself, and he that was the way. And he thought he could draw money that way, and he certainly proved it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because uh, the people. And then, and then finally, it was Jimmy Hart that got Randy 
into Memphis. Mm -hmm. Then Randy got me into Memphis. Mm -hmm. And it was Jimmy Hart that got Randy into WWF. And then Randy got me in. Right. He says, it's not on top. He said, he says, well, is he heel or a baby face? And, I, and he says, I don't know. I'll ask him, would you rather be a heel or a baby face? Well, if I'm not on top, I'd rather be a baby face. You know, because... Thinking what? That's what I, if I'm not going to be on top, I'd rather be a baby face. Just if, you could, if it's like to do it. If it's a choice between a heel or a baby face, not on top, I'd rather be a baby face, not on top. But what's the theory on that? I have no theory on that. It's just that I like to That's sell. That's your preference. I sell and come back. And I believe that even though I wasn't brought in on top, I believe that water will seek its own level. And that's a, that's a quote from Benjamin Franklin, the guy on the $100 bill. Mm -hmm. he, the exact quote was, time will tell, shit will smell, and water will find its own level. And I believe that I would find my own level. If I showed them some, enough pizzazz, I'd figure they'd have to advance me. Well, they kind of did, yeah. and then they kind of didn't, and then they finally did, and then they kind of didn't. When, when, okay, we're closing up here, but when frustration, because you, you say the happy bus, and, and again, you know, David San Martino, he made his own bed by, by fucking himself over. When, when, there was, when there was frustration, what was there frustration, and what would you do about it? Because you, you, you I would sell more Frisbees. <laughs> I would get up there. That was my, that was my, I would write better poems, sell more Frisbees, and I would try to work on better moves to wow the people. Yeah. In other words, with the hand that I was dealt, I would try to play my cards as well as I could. And now, um, don't for, okay, don't forget, um, a lot of the wrestlers are sob stories. That's S-O-B, sob, not son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. It's an acronym. S stands for suicide, and we all know wrestlers that have committed suicide. O stands for overdose, and we all know wrestlers who have overdosed. The toxicology reports don't lie. And then B stands for bankruptcy. I am the thriftiest man yes. in the world. Which we didn't get to, but I appreciate about you and, and your family. <laughs> yes, the stories that but I've I'll heard. tell you what. My father was thrifty because he came through the, the depression. He wasn't as thrifty as I am. Now, I bought a Tempur-Pedic mattress for $2,100. But I bought it 11 years ago, and if you do the math, you know, divide the number of night sleeps I've had on it compared right. to the cost, I'm ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and since but you I bet it did your head in when you put that 2100 down, right? No, it didn't bother no? me at all okay. because I knew it was quality. <laughs> okay. See, the thing is, good things aren't cheap and cheap things aren't good. Mm -hmm. what I, do, I don't mind buying quality. What I do mind is staying at the Acme Ritz Central Arms Waldorf Plaza to be unconscious for eight hours. And another thing, there is a mandatory party after the matches of drinking and gambling and booze and skirt chasing and whatever. Whatever they do, mm -hmm. it's a mandatory party, means you have to go. I never went to that party because it's hazardous to your wealth and your health. And I, I, I'd say, let me come up with a little limerick. Um, a born-again bachelor like me who used to do jobs on TV now has nothing to do but let interest accrue and be healthy, wealthy, and free. <laughs> That's great. That's great, man. Lanny, you're, you're man, I hope, I, I love the positivity. I, I love the, 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 think, the, the deep thoughts. I don't know. I, I'm not a man of many words, but uh, you, you can use the words for Jody me. Jody <laughs> Barberi told me that you are her favorite podcast oh, of cool. all time that's cool and she's the one that said lanny you got to get on this podcast yeah. and i said uh 
well, I don't know if we have time, but I'm sure I'm glad I did it. And um, are we closing now? What yep, is yep, yep. It sure went fast. Boy, I'm looking Easy. at the clock. It's uh, just a bullshit conversation. Yeah. It's just meant to pass the time. That's all. And I, and I told you before we started, there is no limit to what you can ask me. Right. Because my, my heart's on my sleeve. Now, let me tell you what. Um, Macho Man, Randy Savage, you know, I just heard an interview with Kevin Sullivan. They mm. said he had demons. Fuck him. <laughs> you know, Randy loved Kevin Sullivan. I did too. I, I really love Kevin Sullivan. And he said he's got demons. What about Eddie Graham? Did he have demons? He shot himself in the head. What about Mike Graham? What about his other friends that have uh, killed themselves from overdoses? Randy's toxicology report was clean. Randy didn't have any demons. He was just a guy that didn't tolerate any bullshit whatsoever in a world full of bullshit. And I think he got over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was, but he was great. Uh, but you too, Lanny. Don't, well, please don't forget. Like, this is... Uh, my, appreci my appreciation well, if, podcast if, for you. If you go on my website, GeniusLannyPapo.com, I'm on, I'm, the backdrop is Niagara Falls, and I thought, what personifies forever like Niagara Falls? And I said, I stand before Niagara Falls and think about my brother who sees each Carpe Diem day with passion like no other. His name was Randy Poffo. He became the macho man. Randy Savage made it cool to be a wrestling fan. He set a good example before he said goodbye, and I will celebrate his life until these falls go dry. And that was my first poem I did. Um, my first booking I took was from Chris Drabrowski, excellent guy, he's got this Comic-Con every year, and um, he's inviting me to come out every year that I wanna come out, and I wanna come out every year he has one. Cool. Because I love Niagara Falls, I love the people, I love Chris Drabowski, and mm. what a great promoter, and you know, He's a man of his word. Everything he says, he does. And you know what? Sadly, not everybody owns up to that. Sure, creed. in this business, especially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's get your plugs in. You, uh, so, the, the geniuslannypapo.com. Great. The Kindle edition of Limericks from the Heart and Lungs. Three smokers with nothing to do decided to go to the zoo. As they lit up to smoke, I heard one monkey joke. Hey, look, human see, human do. Uh, it's a, it's three hundred and thirty-five limericks. That's one of them. Uh, they're all. Uh, very humorous for children to not smoke uh, because that is the fork in the road of um, because uh, children that smoke run the risk of bad grades, dropping out of school, drugs slash alcohol, teenage pregnancy, teenage suicide. Mm. So we got to catch them young. I don't like the fact that a lot of my colleagues have fallen early and I'm going to do something about it by starting young with that's the children. Great. That's great. And when I go to, I used to be Catholic before I hit the age of reason, I went to confession <laughs> and I said, you first. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, at Lanny Poffo on Twitter. Genius, GeniusLannyPoffo.com. Right, at Lanny Poffo on Twitter. Um, at I Lanny just... Poffo on Twitter and Facebook. Lanny Poffo on, on Facebook. And Genius, uh, Lanny the Genius Poffo also as a fan page on Facebook. Great. I want to thank you for a great interview, oh. and uh, I'm going I'm to tell Jody Barber. I'm going to call her up, <laughs> and I'm going to say uh, everything you said was true. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed. I, this. I enjoyed it. Uh, I had more fun than you did. Trust me. Oh no way, no way. It's always a, it's great. And I'm going to. I'm just want to say one thing. Um, I love the World Wrestling Federation and World Wrestling Entertainment (WWE), but um, when my brother died, the flowers got lost in the mail. 
And there's only one guy that expressed his condolences, and that's and I would like to say thank you, Howard Finkel. You are a mensch. There you go. And a mensch is a Jewish term. I'm a, I'm a Jewish man. So You're a lanceman. I know exactly what it is. <laughs> a mensch is an excellent person and a, a very fine person. And Howard is uh, Howard expressed his condolences and gave me a big hug. And um, I think uh, I like to get another hug someday, but. Um, it's uh, here's the thing. Remember in NBC when I did uh, got juice for Andre mm-hmm. and the Battle Royals. Squeeze your head, right? Was that is that right? He squeezed your head, maybe. He head butted me. Head, and I, okay, okay. And um, the guy with NBC, uh, um, Dick Dick um, Dick Ebersol. Dick Ebersol. He said, "Oh, Lanny, bleed well. Everybody's kissing my butt." Oh, Vince says, "Hello, pal. You're going to do a good job for us." Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I go over there. Yeah, I did a great job for them. Got plenty, did the thing, got carried out. Was a sacrificial lamb so Andre could get more heat leading up to WrestleMania three. But guess what happened? Then I go to my locker room, and nobody gives a fuck if I coagulated or healed or anything. In other words, it's like a girl that has sex on the first date with the Iron Sheik, and the Sheik says, you have served your purpose. Now fuck off. <laughs> I'm glad we can end on an Iron Sheet quote. <laughs> Thanks. You stupid ma- jabroni. You can- are. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Thank you, Lanny. What a well-spoken man. Way more well-spoken than I am. Speaks more better than I do. The genius Lanny Poffo on the podcast. Very cool, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer. Great to have him on. Buy his books. Buy his poems. Check him out on the internet. He's on the internet. The genius Lanny Poffo. He's on the internet. All right, before we get out of here, let's get into some plugs and... Upcoming events... All right, the very best way that you can support brand new Matt Classic Authentic Professional Masks up at ColtMerch.com and DigitalColt.com. Twitter, at ColtGabana. I do have an email, public email, if you need to get a hold of me, ColtWrestling at gmail.com. Maybe you want to put me on your upcoming show or convention. Every single Monday night, Marty and I are YouTube kind of stars. WorstPromoEver.com. I do have a website, WeLoveColt.com. On there, you can find my snail mail, and you can also sign up for the newsletter. Plus, I got a Facebook slash AOW podcast upcoming this Saturday, October 5th, LaSalle, Illinois, DreamWaveWrestling.com. Saturday, October 12th, Brooklyn, New York, FWEWrestling.com. Then I'm heading over to England. Saturday, October 19th, London, England, RevolutionProWrestling.com. Sunday, October 20th, Mannheim, Germany, WXW-Wrestling.com And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday October 21st, 22nd, 23rd Are you in this UK area? I am doing the Edinburgh Comedy Show Tickets are going fast It's going to be a weekday show Full of fun London, Manchester, and Leeds respectively Grab those tickets Facebook.com slash Eros Comedy E-R-O-S Comedy Then Saturday, October 26th Wallington, England FPWUK.com And my final gig on that big island Sunday, October 27th Sittingbourne, England RevolutionProWrestling.com Saturday, November 2nd Quebec City, Quebec NSPW-Wrestling.com Plus, let's not forget about that Rocks Off Comedy Show November 21st That's a Thursday In New York City Only 99 tickets Grab those tickets at RocksOff.com Okay, there it is All done, big 
big thank you to you at home. Big thanks to Lanny Poffo. Big thanks to CM Punk for coming on early. Thanks to Cable Guy Jeff and Stu Stone. Thanks to Kid Russell and Matt Jenkins on the music. Huge thanks to Hulu Plus. Head on over to HuluPlus.com slash Colt for your free extended trial. Watch it on your iPhone, your tablet, your game console, your computer, and so much more thanks to Hulu Plus. All right, guys, this has been the art of wrestling for Colt Cabana. I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks. It's the main event on NBC, the wrestling world is watching, as Kamala bellies forth upon the scene. But if I emerge victorious, I could be next month's centerfold in National Geographic magazine. Doesn't sound like it rhymes to me.